potential to uh, uh, to be you know uh, one of the, you know great goal scorers in our league and, and kind of this young wave of players. Uh, it's no secret he's just got a, an amazing knack for finding the net. Uh, incredible uh, uh, stick skills, uh, not just handling the puck, but I think stripping guys and takeaways and being able just to be so crafty. I know playing against him, I always had to be so careful with the puck around him because you know he could knock a puck down or, or uh, uh, strip you from behind and, and just so quick at uh, getting that shot off and you know uh, plays a heavy big man's game that you know 200 feet of the ice uh, in all areas at such a young age it's very impressive I didn't have that in my game at that time John Tavares on Austin Matthews as he spoke to the Toronto media today as the new world order of Maple Leafs hockey begins. Brother, welcome back to the NHL Free Agent Free NC Recap Show here on TSN 1050. TSN1050.ca on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara. I'm Jack. I know you are too, Leafs Nation. We'll open the phone lines in a few minutes uh, after we talk to our next guest, Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star. 416-870-1050. Toll free 855-591-6876. One bit of housekeeping as well, courtesy of Frank Saravelli on Twitter. Luke Shen is joining the Anaheim Ducks on a one-year Year eight hundred thousand dollar deal, Dave uh, Festuk from the Toronto Star. Dave, uh, your thoughts on Luke Shen joining the Ducks? That's what we want to talk about, right? That's the scoop of the day, right? Scoop there for Frank Saravelli. Oh, thank goodness that happened. We had nothing else to talk about. Uh, Luke Shen joining the Ducks, but Dave, man, like this is this has exploded Leafs Nation. Obviously, it's something we knew was possible, but until it actually happened, I don't know about you, but I, I it just seemed almost like a no way. This this can't happen to the Leafs. This would be too good. How did you react? Yeah, well, you know, for those of us who've been around town for a little mm-hmm. while and grown up observing this team and and watching the best players in the league always seem to choose to play somewhere else. Yeah, that's exactly the sentiment. You were. It always seemed. You know, implausible that one of these great players who had the opportunity would come to Toronto for a because, as you know, Andy Mack. I mean, this is a league where guys just don't do that. Guys, right. guys stare free agency in the face and they look away quick because they're shy boys and they're loyal boys and they're good fellas. And so we might get a Drew Doughty to tease us as he did on I think it was Leafs lunch last year, right? When he talked about right. how everybody from Southern Ontario wants to play for the Leafs, uh, but of course Drew Doughty. Signs in, you know, the $88 million deal with the LA Kings. Uh, what do you know? You know, just he teased <laughs> us and said he might come and he was maybe interested in coming, but ultimately he took the money and stayed in the comfortable place. And, and so I, I suspected, like I think a lot of people suspected at the NHL draft when, when you were making the rounds and talking to hockey people, everybody seemed to be thinking, yeah, he might look at a couple of options, but Johnny Tavares is going back to the island because that's who Johnny Tavares is. And lo and behold, we were proven wrong. Right, and and we were teased with Steven Stamkos, too, right? Like, it was, okay, Toronto yeah. guy coming home, maybe, has the meetings. Like, this all lined up to being the exact same thing of a lot of hype, a lot of courtship, and then ultimately shying away, ah, no, I don't want to leave. And well, John exactly. Tavares stepped up, man, right? Like, he said, hey, I'm th- he's out of his comfort zone. He said, I'm uncomfortable, but I want to do it. And I, th- I think it takes a lot of guts. Well, look, I mean, the, the, he talked about, Tavares talked about how he spoke to Stamkos mostly about the Tampa Bay situation because he obviously contemplated the Lightning, although that didn't seem to have, that didn't seem to be a fit in a lot of different ways. But, but he, he, you know, one line that he had today in, in the presser was something basically saying that, you know, Stamkos had a different situation. And of course, the right. situation Stamkos had was he had the option of going back to a place where they could actually plausibly make the case that they could win a Stanley Cup because we all know that Tampa Bay Lightning are, are awfully good. 
you can't make that case about the New York Island no. unless you're, you're, you're using some substances that are, <laughs> have recently been legalized uh, in, in our jurisdiction. But, and that's the bottom line here is that, you know, he made the right choice because he spent nine of the best years of his life with the New York Islanders. And what did he get for it? He got 24 playoff games. I mean, that's just, that's just a crime against talent. That's yeah, just not yeah. right. It's not right that we would be deprived as hockey fans of not seeing this guy in big moments enough. And we just haven't been able to see it. And that's, and that's the beauty of the promise of this team is that we will finally, if things go to plan, and it's hard to imagine they won't because, hey, online betting sites have made the Leafs the Stanley Cup favorite, Andy. What? Uh, really? Oh, yeah, there's been a couple. Anyways, wow. I, don't I don't know if they're lucid handicappers, but they, <laughs> they've sued them. But, hey, you can make the case. Right? Sure you can. There's enough suckers in Toronto who want to believe it. They'll probably make that bet. Um, and you know what? But the bottom line is, this is an awfully good team. And we know that in this league, it's not about next year. I mean, it's not about five years down the road. It's not about two years down the road. This is a league where pretty much everybody that makes the playoffs has a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And pretty much everybody that makes the playoffs has a chance to go out in the first round because we just saw that Washington Capitals win the Stanley Cup in a year where they were down 0-2 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And in overtime in Game 3, about to go down 0-3 when the Blue Jackets hit the, hit the crossbar, right? I mean, it could have gone either way for the Capitals, and they ended up winning the Cup. So, yeah, the Cup window is open, let's just say that. And it, I just can't wait. As somebody who, who, who saw John Tavares play in minor midget and saw him play with the Oshawa Generals, mm-hmm. uh, and just, you know, I'm, I'm somebody, I'm not a Leaf fan, I'm not a fan of any team, but I, I'm a fan of great talent on display, and so John Tavares has been, by, by that definition, one of the most interesting players I've ever come across. And, and I can't wait to see him in a big moment situation playing for his hometown team. Well, Dave, this is the difference for the Leafs. We're not getting a big name who's on the backside of his career, who used to be good, who's coming here for a payday or, hey, I got a couple years left and I want to play for the Leafs. This is a dude in his prime, 27 years old, coming off of a 37-goal season. This is a guy who's ready now. And, Dave, I I wanted to ask you, like, I can't think of another situation, recent or going back even decades, like of a homegrown guy in his prime coming home to play for the Leafs or, heck, any other Toronto team. Yeah, and, and Andy, I'm just going to interrupt you on that point because we're talk- I want to talk about the, the, the news just broke by uh, somebody on Twitter. Now, Adrian Wojnarowski is uh, confirming it, and I'm making sure it's the blue check mark beside his name, but oh. LeBron is signing with the Lakers. Wow. So you talk about a guy leaving his hometown team to go to another oh. team. LeBron James has signed with the Lakers, four-year deal, 154 mil. Wow. How I about just, that? I have it up there. Yep, it has the blue check mark. He's going to La La Land. Oh my! What a candidate! What else? Go, what else could happen? Let's see. Yeah, he's not coming <laughs> to the Raptors. Sorry. Imagine that. Okay, Dave. Imagine he comes to the Raptors and JT. Like the city would just implode on itself. That'd be it. A giant <laughs> hole, and it'd be over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scotiabank would have to rebuild the, the arena they just named because it would be it would be burned to the ground tonight. LeBron to the Lakers, unbelievable. Well, so well I guess not, believable, that, but that is that's huge. I mean, it's it's believable. It's so funny because I remember two years ago when the Raptors got knocked out by the Cavs at the ACC in in the in the sweep before this past sweep. Um, you know, there was talk that you know LeBron's agent was in the building and the chatter around. I remember speaking to a number of NBA insiders. It was just like, yeah, there's, there's rumors he could go to L.A. in two years. 
And and it was just it was just a rumor back then. And I remember somebody reported it a couple of weeks later that it was plausible and possible that L.A. intrigued LeBron. And and what do you know? It was it was all pointing to to L.A. for so long. And there were a lot of diversions and a lot of a lot of other options, obviously. But how about that? I mean, think about it. You know, LeBron is leaving the East. If you're a Raptors fan, that's a very good thing. If Masai Ujiri can somehow find a way. To, to get a couple more pieces to improve this team. Maybe it'll just be with the improvement of the internal candidates like, you know, OG Ananobi improving and Pascal Siakam improving and, and Fred Van Vliet improving. Uh, and hopefully, you know, the likes of Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan not declining if they're not going to be traded, which is a possibility as well. Uh, you know, the East just got a lot easier to win. And that's the difference. That's what everyone was waiting for, Dave, right? It's okay. Yeah. If LeBron leaves the East... Now we're wide open. Like Boston, okay, as you said, like Boston's teed up, Philly's young, but now you don't have the specter hanging over of LeBron James that you, the mental hurdle that the Raptors just could not get over. So what does that do? Like that, this news breaks all these GMs now, things going into motion. Like this, this could get wild quick. I mean, if you're an Eastern GM, you just have to be saying, we got, we got to get better fast because. I mean, they've all been game planned against one guy. I mean, Dwayne Casey got fired because he couldn't game plan against that guy. How many yeah. other coaches were fired because yeah. they couldn't game plan against that guy? Because guess what? You can't game plan against that guy. He's just that much better than anybody you could throw out there on most nights. And so, yeah, everything changes now in the East. I mean, there's going to be calls. You know, I, you, to, you know what people are going to be saying now is that they have to reseed the playoffs because the East is too easy and the West is too stacked. And there's no <laughs> way we want. We're going to see Golden State Lakers in the Western Final, which will be the presumed the presumed NBA final and it just right. won't be right. And and so there's gonna be people saying stack it, you know, seed it one to sixteen and let's let's have the, the number one seed play the sixteenth seed no matter the conference. That's that argument is going to be made now that LeBron James has shifted the balance of power out west in such a dramatic way. But for the Raptors, I can't see them doing that next year. You've got this window now mm-hmm. where obviously Philly's really good, but they're not proven. Boston's really good, but they're not proven because you know Kyrie Irving's coming off an injury and Gordon Hayward's coming off an injury, and who knows how that team will work out? Even though they look stacked uh, talent-wise, you just don't know how they're going to play together. The Raptors know how they play, and they hey they won they won they won a franchise record, uh, you know, in games last year, and so this is a great moment for Masai Ujiri. I think it's a great moment to see what Masai Ujiri has up his sleeve because man, this is an opportunity if you're the Raptors to get to the first NBA Finals in franchise history. And that opportunity comes next year. Well, Dave, the the whole thing with Masai Ujiri has been he's patient. He's building slowly and waiting, waiting. Well, now we got to see if he can react. Because you can wait. You can build. and, And to his credit, he has done a great job building. Look at, as you said, the regular season wins. But the playoffs are what counts. Now you got to be, you can't react. you got to go get. And and I don't know what he can. I don't know if it's if it's building again, kind of peace guys, character guys to kind of build it up. But we've seen the combo of DeRozan and Lowry in the playoffs to this point, at least against LeBron, has not been good enough. Is there? I don't know if there's anybody else they can add to make it kind of a, a trio, or if you again go to those back end pieces. Yeah, well, that's that's going to be the challenge, right? I mean, Masai Ujiri has sent off sent off signals that he wouldn't be against anything, that he wouldn't be against you know trading a Demar Derozan, that he wouldn't be against uh, finding a way to trade a Kyle Lowry. Uh, but you know, this this development might change that thinking because, as you say, like you know, maybe you got to go more back end, maybe you got to go more tweaking around the edges, and hope that your young guys hope that a hope that your OG Ananobis and Pascal Siakams and, and Fred Van Vliet's and, uh, you know, Jakob Pertles 
hope all those guys can bring up their games enough in one year. And they were promising. And we know the bench mob was the story of the regular season as much as they probably, you know, underperformed in the postseason because that's generally what happens to benches in the postseason. Um, that's another option. But, man, you know, it, it, you, as you say, it just got a lot more urgent for Masai Ujiri to improve it in man. the here and now. And yeah, I'm talking about let's pay the luxury tax for the first time in franchise history. Let's not cheap out here. This, to me, would be a moment where the Raptors have to get all in and say, hey, if we don't think we, we – we know we couldn't beat LeBron. He got to the NBA Finals nine times in a row. Uh, but we can beat Boston. We, we, we can beat Philly. They're unproven. We're proven. And we have to be that team that takes advantage of LeBron James's exit from the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and this is, I think, Dave, the more I think about this as, as it's happening in real time here, LeBron James signing uh, with the L.A. Lakers, breaking news here on TSN 1050, is you. this is the, this is the time, a franchise-defining moment for Masai Ujiri for this team because there is not that LeBron excuse because, as you said, hey, he got to the finals, what, eight times in a row, whatever. Nobody beat LeBron. So you can always point to, hey, we didn't beat him, but neither did anybody else. This year is the franchise-defining moment because if now you don't do it, who do you blame? There's no LeBron. Now it's on yeah. you, Masai, right? Yeah, and if you miss the window, because I mean that was the that was the idea. Like the whole the whole the whole conversation around this franchise was, you know, we want to be there when LeBron mm-hmm. is is leaves either leaves the East or, or you know is not the same guy anymore. Is not the same dominant player anymore. Is not the guy that everybody has to game plan around. And so that is what they they were sort of planning for that's why that's why they've been stockpiling all the yep. talent that's why the direction of the franchise has gone the way this franchise has gone now now there's been there's been forks in the road that haven't gone their way you know your 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 Damari Carroll deal and, and your sure. Serge Ibaka deal because we just saw Serge Ibaka be a non-entity for the majority of the playoffs and those things are gonna you know those things are hard to overcome the, the Damari Carroll deal is the reason you don't have a first round pick this year. And, you know, the Serge Ibaka deal is, is, is a reason why you're, you're up against the luxury tax and, and, and why it's going to be difficult to spend more money, uh, you know, for a franchise that's never paid the luxury tax. Uh, so there, there are, hey, there are hurdles here. It's, this is not going to be easy. Improving this team will not be easy unless you're, uh, you know, unless you're of the belief that Nick Nurse is that much better a coach than Dwayne Casey. Yeah. And of course, Dwayne's own, Dwayne Casey's only, the greatest coach in franchise history by a mile. <laughs> that's all so he has to unless, live up to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, unless you're of the, unless you're of the belief that Nick Nurse was withholding great ideas to beat teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers as he sat next to Dwayne Casey, unless you're of the belief that you know that Dwayne Casey was really not getting the most out of this team when he when he won 59 games, a franchise record this past regular season, unless you really believe that Dwayne, you know Nick Nurse is that big a genius. They're going to have to add players, and 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 they're going to have to improve that their current players improve uh, significantly. Uh, so this is going to be intriguing to see how Masai Ujiri responds to this incredible development with LeBron heading to L- L.A. Yeah, no excuses now for the Raptors. You said it, Dave. They waiting for the window. The window yeah. it flew open. And if they don't do it, this it, like it's it's not like the ur- the urgency isn't okay. Next couple of years, it's right now because Lowry's not getting any younger. DeRozan's uh, still in his prime, but you know he's he's getting there too. The, this this window is is has flown open, and what you do now really determines. And I wonder the free agency period now that everything's going to start to fall. What happens with the Raptors? It's a shame we can't really uh, dream of, okay, hey, let's go get Kawhi or Paul George. It doesn't seem like that's that's a reality. 
Well, no, well, Paul George is. Paul George has made the bizarre decision to, to yeah. re-sign with the with the OKC yeah. Thunder. I mean, which I, I just I can't understand the logic of what Paul George just on uh, which did to his career, which was of course turned out two hundred plus million to stay in Indiana, <laughs> saying that he eventually wanted to get to LA, then get to Oklahoma City as as a stopgap, then not take a meeting with LA, en route to not going to LA and signing for what ninety million dollars less. That he could have got in a package with the, with the Pacers a year later. I mean, I, that that to me is some bad career planning, Andy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, someone is not advising Paul George very well. In conversation with Dave Festcheck of the Toronto Star, we started the conversation on John Tavares, and then the uh, LeBron James news broke that he has signed with the L.A. Lakers. He leaves leaves Cleveland, and Dave, when you look at the Cavaliers, I would expect you pretty much have them go back to the Stone Age to where they were pre-LeBron. I know you have Kevin Love, but he's not on the floor, and you got a bunch of young pieces. Like The Cavaliers just became irrelevant, right? Bye. Oh, yeah, that's not, that's not even a discussion, right? Like There's, there's no question. That, that team had so little around LeBron that it was laughable. It really was. And, that, and that's the reason. I mean, you understood why Masai Ujiri was frustrated that they couldn't at least get a game. I mean, they should have won game one. There's no question about it. But, you know, the idea that they, they, they got swept by this particular Cleveland team, which had to be maybe the weakest uh, supporting cast LeBron had ever been put uh, in the middle of. Oh, yeah. You know, like th- th- that was just a bad team on every level. I mean, as, as much as Kevin Love has been an all-star player at his best, I mean, he's, you know, he's a very inconsistent guy, as we saw, uh, a very injury-prone guy. So, you know, you just, you just yeah, this team, this Cleveland team, well, the last time, I guess the, the 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 blessing for the Cleveland fans is the last time LeBron left. What they get? They got Kyrie Irving. Yeah, uh, that turned out pretty well. Uh, it, it, of course, was a very important part of the championship that LeBron was able to deliver. Because I'm not sure he would have delivered it without Kyrie Irving uh, on that team, and certainly he wouldn't have delivered it without Kyrie Irving making the winning shot. That's right. In in in, in the most important game. So um, there is that. But but that's what they're. This is a lottery team. That's uh, going to be rebuilding for for a long time to come. And hey, you can't you can't fault Dan Gilbert. You can't fault LeBron. I don't think there'll be the jersey burning in no. Cleveland that there was the first time after the decision that brought his talents to South Beach. Because hey, he he delivered on his promise. He he brought his hometown, which had, of course famously hadn't won a major sports championship since 1964. He brought him an NBA title. I mean, I'm sure he wished he could have done. You know, brought him more than one, but you know, one for Cleveland. Let's face it, it's enough. <laughs> it's he enough got, he did it, yeah, any. yeah. And so, yeah, you know, he did what he he set out to do, which was was bring that championship to his home area of Northeast Ohio. I I, I can only believe that only the lunatic fringe would not, you know, greet his exit to L.A. with with gratitude and, and class, because I I was there the first time he came back with the Miami Heat into that Cleveland Quick and Loans arena, and my God, I, I don't think I've ever seen so much hate in one 20,000-seat capacity building <laughs> as, I, as, we, as we witnessed that night. And, of course, it didn't help that you know, the Heat absolutely lashed the, the yeah. Cavaliers, and it wasn't even a game. But, man, people, there was a visceral hate for LeBron in that moment. Uh, and, I, and I just can't imagine that the same kind of hate will be present in Cleveland this time around because he's, he's been so good to that town. I, I believe it as well, uh, Dave. Hey, uh, uh, the conversation took a turn, and uh, boy, a lot of fun. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. Enjoy the rest of Canada today. You too, Andy. Appreciate uh, it. Dave Festuck, Toronto Star. Keeping an eye on Twitter, Adrian Wadronowski. 
Breaking the news. LeBron James to the L.A. Lakers. John Tavares to the Maple Leafs. What a Canada Day. We're going to take the break at the bottom of the hour. My conversation with Dave Poole and TSN Hockey Insider, former Maple Leafs front office executive. Great conversation about what JT to the Leafs means and a whole bunch more here on the NHL Free Agent Frenzy Recap Show on TSN 1050. I think a lot of it is he just he wanted to be in L.A. I mean, it doesn't. it's not the best basketball decision. It's just not. You know, it's not. Period. Chris Broussard, Fox Sports Radio, will have that coverage coming up at the top of the hour. Welcome back to TSN 1050. I'm Andy McNamara. This is the NHL Free Agent Frenzy Recap Show, but we're, we're calling an audible. We're, we're doing a pain man in Omaha here because LeBron James heading to the Lakers on a four-year deal, leaving the Cavaliers, and that means the East is absolutely wide open. Our Raptors reporter, Josh Lewenberg, pulling him away from his Canada Day celebration. Jay Lou, thanks for taking the time. How's it going, man? How, how, how do you feel about this news? Uh, well, it's interesting, that's for sure. I mean, obviously the day began with the re-signing of Fred Van Vliet, but the move for the Raptors today, the best move for the Raptors today, is a move that had... Nothing to do with them, at least not directly. And, yeah, I mean, uh, there are uh, a number of Eastern Conference teams right now, the Raptors among them, that are pretty thrilled to hear about this news that LeBron is going to the West. It's interesting, of course, for him because, as we know, whatever happens with him and the Lakers now, uh, his consecutive streak of making it out of the Eastern Conference, of winning the East, will come to an end at 8. He's going to have to fight his way through a very competitive Western Conference. Ultimately, I would imagine the decision for him was about where he felt he has the best chance at competing with the Warriors, not necessarily getting to the finals, but winning a championship. He feels that that's in L.A., and that's going to be an interesting um, thing to keep an eye on over the next few weeks, because right now, obviously, that roster is nowhere near good enough to compete with the Warriors. I would imagine it looks a lot different in a few weeks from now if this was the decision LeBron made. But going back to the East and the Raptors and, and certainly the Celtics and the Sixers, who have to feel pretty good about this news as well, I mean, this is as wide open, if not more wide open, than the East has been in almost a decade now. So there's a ripple effect here that I'm going to be interested to kind of watch how it plays out as well because you've got those teams um boston with all of their assets philadelphia certainly they've got some assets as well and uh, apparently feel pretty good about their chances of landing uh, Kawhi leonard and the raptors uh, they're nowhere close to those two teams in terms of the assets they have to work with and the means that they have to go out and add but as we know and as we've heard a number of times multiple reports over the last few weeks the raptors are open for business they're willing to to make changes that nobody on their roster is untouchable but as we've been hearing as well both publicly and privately um masai ujiri and the raptors they intend to compete continue to compete in the eastern conference they're not planning to enter a rebuild anytime soon they're not planning on taking a step back or at least they weren't before this news and certainly uh this news only makes it uh, more um, it makes it make more sense to to try and compete now that LeBron is out of the Eastern Conference. So the ripple effect will be interesting, I think, in both conferences to see how teams adjust to this very big news today. Yeah, and Josh, for the Raptors, we've as fans, uh, as uh, just the planning has been okay. How do you get past LeBron? Can't beat LeBron. Mental hurdle. 
And we've been waiting for that window to open. Either LeBron's skill sets diminish or he goes. Now it's flung open. Not that Masai Ujiri or that front office has made any excuses, but there was kind of that built-in overhanging LeBron factor. Now that that's gone, for Raptors fans, like that window has burst open and it's go time. Like There's no excuse now for this team come playoff time. And that's a perfect way of putting it, Andy, because there's been a sense in the organization over the last couple of years that the Raptors could have beaten anyone else in the Eastern Conference if it came to it. So let's say the seeding shook out differently and the Raptors didn't face the Cavs in the second round over the last two years. The Raptors, as an organization, believe that they would have made it to the Conference Finals, that they would have beaten whoever it is that they would have played, whether it was Boston or whomever. And if, in the case of this year, where Cleveland struggled in the first round, if somehow Indiana ended up beating them, there was a belief internally that the Raptors could knock off anyone else in the Eastern Conference bracket on their way to the Finals. So, again, if that's the belief here, now obviously things are going to be different. The coach is gone, and Nick Nurse is running the show now, and I would expect the roster to look different um, than it does right now as well. The, the Fred Van Vliet news, if nothing else, means the Raptors are further into the luxury tax. I would imagine the, them to pay some amount of tax this year for the first time in franchise history, but there are $11 million into the tax now after the Van Vliet signing. I would imagine there are subsequent moves planned, maybe for um, some shedding of salary uh, but then also, if, again, if the goal is to compete and they're looking to find a way to improve without a lot of different assets to work with and certainly not with, without cap space to go out and sign guys, that's the challenge now is how are they going to improve? How are they going to get better? Because to your point, Andy, the excuses are gone. LeBron is not in your way anymore. That roadblock is gone. And if they believe they can beat any other team in the Eastern Conference, then the expectation and the goal right now going into next season should be to make the NBA Finals. Yeah, yeah. In conversation with Josh Lundberg, our TSN 1050 Raptors reporter. And Josh, the Raptors seem to buck the trend of the the popular and fashionable a super team. Okay, LeBron goes to the Lakers. Is he going to get play XYZ, whatever, the, the Golden State Warriors? They have built their core. They have built a team, really, in the, in the truest sense of you have DeRozan and Lowry, but it's not necessarily that big top, top, top guy. Is that, and, and I guess that's really the path they're going to have to continue on because there's not going to be any other superstar coming in, I wouldn't think, right? No, I, the, the odds of them landing a superstar yeah. this summer are very low. That said, it, and I, I go back to the Nick Nurse hiring, which I thought was an interesting one. It might work, it might not work, but it clearly shows their attempt to try and do something different here. Talking, I know a lot of people say, well, how is it different? He was on Dwayne Casey's staff. But in terms of the actual approach and coaching style, I'm not sure that it gets more different um, just in the way that he's sort of embracing this idea of thinking outside of the box and experimenting. And I don't say that necessarily is a great thing. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, when you experiment and think outside of the box, try new things, some of it works, some of it doesn't. Um, but clearly the idea here is to play a certain way, do things differently. So uh, as we know and as we've seen throughout uh, the NBA over the years, it's great to be innovative, but an innovator is only good as is only as good as the pieces he has to innovate with. You look at Mike D'Antoni and, and his teams in Phoenix; uh, they were great. And the fact that D'Antoni was creative is—I mean—that helped. But they were great because they had Steve Nash. 
his teams in Houston now, uh, they're great. And, and his creativity, the, the threes that they shoot, the pace they play, that helps. But they're great because they have James Harden and a roster that's designed to, to play the way that he plays. There was very little talk about how innovative Mike D'Antoni was when he was with the Knicks because they were bad. Now, the Raptors right. obviously are not a bad team. They're a good team. But in order for them to really change the way that uh, teams play basketball, like those uh, trend-setting teams around the league that the, M- that the Raptors are aspiring to be, they've got to, if not land a superstar, they've got to build their team around the way that Nick Nurse wants to play. So that's the big challenge, the big question for Masai Ujiri and the Raptors for the rest of this offseason. This is a big summer. And, and listen, I mean, it's funny because this time every year we're talking about how big of an offseason it is. And they, they've had big offseasons the last few years, and they've made big decisions the last few years, investing a ton of money in Lowry and Ibaka last year, DeRozan the year before. They were at crossroads um, the last couple of years. This is a different sort of, situation in the sense that they know where they want to go they want to compete they want to improve but rather than a crossroads they're almost at a roadblock as i said you don't have a lot of ways to add right now so that's the challenge is figuring out what's the best way to add what's the best way to improve ultimately what's the best way to build a team that can play the type of basketball that nick nurse wants to play and to compete with those teams in the Eastern Conference, like Boston and Philadelphia, who are young and feel really good about where they're at now that LeBron has left. Josh, thank you so much, man, for taking the time on Canada today. Enjoy the rest of the day. Hey, this is going to be a fun offseason now. Yes, sir. Take care, Andy. All right. That's J. Lou. Josh Lewenberg at JLou1050 on Twitter. Our TSN 1050 Raptors reporter, of course. The breaking news, LeBron James to the Lakers leaving the East. Oh, my. Well, we will come back and get back into NHL free agency, specifically John Tavares, my conversation from earlier tonight with Dave Poulin, TSN Hockey Insider, former front office executive. You don't want to miss this. That's next here on TSN 1050. Back to the NHL Free Agent Frenzy Recap Show here on TSN 1050. I'm Andy McNamara. Follow us on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. We're tied up against the clock, so I want to make sure we get to our, my conversation. I chatted with Dave Poulin, TSN Hockey Insider, former Maple Leafs front office exec, earlier today. If you're a Leaf fan, you got to hear this, and it's coming up right now. What is your reaction to John Tavares coming home with the Maple Leafs, it just seems like it's going to take a little bit, take a minute to sink in, but Tavares is coming home. And just as long of an odds it might have been that Mike Babcock came to town, Tavares is coming to town, and everything seems to be falling into place with the Maple Leafs. How confident were you that he was going to come to Toronto, and when the news finally broke, what was your initial reaction? Well, it's an enormous wow for me, Andy, and that's the simplest way to put it. And it was on Thursday that I spoke with a person in the business that I really respect. And it was the first time that, that I heard from someone like that. He said, hey, don't count the Leafs out here. Hmm. And it really surprised me. It caught me off guard. And I said, really? And, and he said, no, don't count them out. And so from that point forward, I had thought, I, you can go back a year on record for me, when uh, John Tavares did not sign an extension last July 1st, and I said that everything pointed to San Jose for me. And they had started making it clear back then that they were clearing cap space. They also lost Patrick Marlowe at that point. 
Um, Joe Thornton is obviously Joe Thornton from an age standpoint. And they've had so much success with that key of Joe Thornton being the anchor for that franchise for so long. They needed a replacement. And I thought that replacement was going to be John Tavares. And I continue to think that right through until I heard the announcement today. Wow. And do you feel like just from a, if we take the, the coming home to Toronto part out of it, just from a team status, it seemed to me like the Sharks were more of, okay, you come, we're going to try to win right now for a year or two, and then there might be a lengthy rejigging, whatever, where the Maple Leafs are, were on the upswing. Do you think that had anything to do with him ultimately coming to Toronto, possibly a longer possibility for a sustained success? It very well may have, but if you're going to go from a hockey standpoint, you might very well be choosing Tampa Bay. Well, and yeah, yeah. so if you put everything on paper and, you know, how you make your decisions, Andy, and I told a story on air last night, actually, it was quite funny for me about decision making. And my oldest two daughters are identical twins. And they couldn't be any more different in how they make decisions. One could buy a house in five minutes and one would take eight weeks to decide on which kind of ice cream to have for dinner that night. Like, it's unbelievable the difference in these two in decision-making. And so you don't know what goes into the psyche of a John Tavares in terms of making a decision. But you can go with the hard facts, and you can have a pie chart, or you can have your pro and con list, or however you want to do things, and you can write things down, and you can have all the quantifiable things that existed in this decision, the money, the tax rates in Texas and Florida, right. you know, all these different factors, the East Coast in Boston and Tampa, and, you know, the weather in Tampa, the, the lifestyle in San Jose, all those different factors. And the one thing that no other team had was that John Tavares grew up in Toronto as a Leaf fan. And they simply didn't. No one could touch that intangible and give every hard fact that you want, every reason. And trust me, I could sit in a court of law and argue for each one of these teams as you have to go here. And yet when it really came down to it, his heart said he grew up with his Maple Leaf head sheets. And I got a, <laughs> I got a hilarious tweet shortly after from a friend of mine, and it was a set of a fully made-up bed with Islander bed sheets and it said, I wonder if Leo Komarov, this was his bedroom growing up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> um, and I'm sure that will only just be trending up now. But, you know, it was really the heartfelt decision to go home. And, you know, the organization is at a point now where certainly they're on the cusp of something, you know, potentially very special. And, and in many ways, I take pride in that because I was there for five years, you know, through 2014 mm-hmm. and involved in you know, up through this year, about a half of that hockey team that we had been involved with putting together. And and I take a great deal of pride in in the foundation part of that. And, you know, now they're at a stage where they've taken the next step. Austin Matthews allowed them to do that by winning the lottery. And now this addition of John Tavares, because boy, oh boy, from a specialty standpoint, aligning three centermen up, you know, with Nazem Kadri as the number three centerman, which, by the way, he may not like very much. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but depth-wise, but, wow. Yeah, depth-wise. I mean, strength up the middle is paramount for me in hockey, and I can say that as a former centerman. And I played for teams that were good enough to get there. And I knew early in my career, you know, my role when I first came into the Philadelphia Flyers was I was the number one centerman. And all that meant was we weren't good enough to win because we lost the Edmonton Oilers, and they happened to have two centermen named Gretzky and Messier. Ah. And so with all due respect 
to my own offensive abilities, it was like a, we, we sure as heck aren't good enough with those two guys <laughs> on the other team. And now, you know, you look at Mark Messier for seven years with a Hall of Fame right winger and Glenn Anderson didn't see a checking line. How are you going to match up against right. Tavares and, and Matthews? I mean, what are you going to do with your defense pairs? And even if you do get the line out there you want against him, what, what's going to happen with your number one shutdown defense pair? They can only play against one of those mm-hmm. two. So it creates some really special, special... It'll be really fun to game plan, you know, against them now and figure out what you were going to try and do. And then, you know, then the 30-goal scorer, Nazem Kadri, is the number three center. In conversation with our TSN Hockey Insider, Dave Poole. And Dave, let's talk a little bit about the, the front office dynamics away from this. Because you had Lou Lamorello step away, join the Islanders, Kyle Dubas stepping in. And really, hey, we didn't know what to expect out of Kyle Dubas from a running the show at an NHL level standpoint. No idea. There was no track record. And he makes this move. And it takes such a key piece away from his old boss, Lou Lamorello, now in the Islanders. What do you think that says about Dubas as a GM in that whole situation? Well, the dynamics are really crazy. Yeah. They really are. And, you know, Lula Morello going to the island, and in four weeks or however long he's been there, maybe not even four weeks, and by the way, he did not leave here of his own design. Right. And that decision was made. And, and so he goes to the Islanders, and in four weeks, a whole bunch of things happen in his favor. I don't even know if it's four weeks. So I'm just throwing it five weeks, whatever. It is. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, a Stanley Cup champion coach falls in his lap in Barry Trotz. How bizarre is that to start with? And then two excellent, excellent draft picks that many people had in the top five of this year's NHL draft, Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Babson, fall into his lap at 11 and 12. And all of a sudden, now everything is lining up, and Matthew Barzell wins rookie of the year. And it seems like, wow, you know, in that short a time, yes, the building is pending. And there was also a very subtle change in the number of home games to be played in Nassau, which I assume Lou Lamorello was responsible for. They were to play single-digit games in Nassau next year, and all of a sudden it was 20 home games in Nassau Hmm. and Brooklyn. So a lot of people didn't even realize that. But the work he was able to get done in a very short period of time, all designed at keeping John Tavares there. And so you were saying, wow, he's actually getting this done. What I fully expected in the last two days was for him to land a top-notch goalie. Right. And, you know, because you go back to Freddie Anderson in Toronto, yes, but the real miracle was Corey Schneider in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Corey Schneider wasn't available. There's no way Corey Schneider was available when Lou Lamorello got him. And I know that because we were involved with Roberto Luongo in those conversations with Vancouver way back when. And... So he had done all these things, and then for Kyle Dubas, you know, the, the protege who had learned under Lou Lamorello to swoop in and secure that free agent is... It's, it's, it's wild. It's movie scriptish. Yeah. It really is crazy, you know. Um, but it all lined up for them. And, and now, by the way, this is going to totally change the structure and organic plan that Toronto had in place. Sure. It has to. All of a sudden that's not the case, you know, and you know, you're, you're going to win with a different model. Now, if you win, this is not the model that was projected in organic growth and, and drafting and developing and young players and, 
you know, we'll see how the young defense, it's just not the case. All of a sudden you've accelerated it enormously and you're in a position now where it's accelerated. You've got a very young group, but it's accelerated in terms of pressures. And the real pressure, without a question, Andy, is on Brandon Pridham. <laughs> sure. Brandon Pridham, as the assistant general manager in charge of the salary cap, will be charged with an enormous task of being incredibly creative. And even the way they structured the money for John Tavares had an awful lot to do with it because I believe he'll end up from today to calendar years from today, he will have 40 plus million dollars of that $77 million. Nice. Two years of a seven year deal, he will have an excess of 50% of that contract. Wow. And so that's creative structuring. That's using the monetary power of NLSE. That's using the abilities of of Larry Tannenbaum to step up and say, write the check on January 1st and on three consecutive. So let's face it, Canada Day is going to be a pretty darn good day for John Tavares. <laughs> He's picking up the know, tab. Yeah, I don't know where the Canada Day party is over the next couple of years, <laughs> but I'd like to be in John Tavares' backyard for the next three years. Just, be fun. just have a countdown, right? Hit zero, Absolutely. midnight. Yes, all right. Absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> and then the complexity of it is, do you get an interact email that says that's what it is, your bonus check, or do you oh. do you have to work your mobile banking to see if the $15.2 million is in your mobile banking account? I'm not sure how all that works. Wow. It'd be quite fun to watch. It'd be a nice problem to have. Wouldn't Dave, <laughs> thank you so much. Happy Canada Day, and really appreciate you taking the time. Okay, Andy, have a great evening. Dave Poulin, our TSN Hockey Insider. If you missed that interview or any of the show, you can find it on tsn1050.ca, also on my Twitter, at AndyMC81. Some breaking news as well from Bob McKenzie on Twitter. Buffalo Sabres have traded Ryan O'Reilly to the St. Louis Blues for a first-round pick in 2019, second-round pick in 2021. Uh, Players Tage Thompson, Vladimir Sabatka, Patrick Betland for Ryan O'Reilly. No salary retained. St. Louis pays the signing bonus for O'Reilly. How about that? That finishes off our NHL free agent frenzy recap show. LeBron James to the Lakers. What a day. Happy Canada Day, everybody. So for producer Sean Levine, I'm Andy McNamara. World Cup Daily is up next. You've been listening to the NHL free agency recap show on TSN 1050. Good night, Toronto.